0: For those remaining in the auditorium and watching online, please take your Bibles if you would and turn to the book of Leviticus and chapter 14. Everything we do here at Grace Baptist Church is based on the Word of God. It is not based on our opinions or thoughts, but it is based on the Word. And so having a Bible is very important. If you came here this morning, you don't have one, that's totally fine, we'd be happy to provide one for you. So somewhere under the chairs in front of you or unless you're in the front row, there should be a Bible. I believe Leviticus 14 is in the area of page 86 in that particular version of the Bible. And if you don't have one, feel free to take that home with you uh, this morning. We'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. Leviticus chapter 14. At this point in the service, there's probably two questions that you have. How in the world is Pastor Jeff going to turn Leviticus 14 to a Mother's Day sermon, and how in the world is he going to be done by 10.30? <clears throat> we'll see how we answer both of those questions in two times. Leviticus chapter 14. I want to read in your hearing this morning the Word of God, verses 1 through 7 of Leviticus 14, before we dive into the passage. Leviticus chapter 14, starting to read at verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law of the leprous person for the day of his cleansing. He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall look. Then, if the leprous disease is healed in the leprous person, the priest shall command them to take for him who is to be cleansed two live, clean birds and cedar wood and scarlet yarn, and hyssop. And the priest shall command them to kill one of the birds in an earthenware vessel over fresh water. He shall take the live bird with the cedar wood and the scarlet yarn, and the hyssop, and dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was killed over the fresh water. And he shall sprinkle it seven times, and him is to be cleansed of the leprous disease. Then he shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird go into the open field." This is the word of God. And happy Mother's Day. The title for the sermon this morning is Restoration. And this is a beautiful passage dealing with that. I think all of us this morning have had relationships that have at some point become broken. Perhaps as you sit here this morning, you can think of relationships that are currently broken. Despite your best efforts, Romans 12, as much as it's up to us live at peace with all men, they're individuals that are still estranged from us. And that is hard, and we long for restoration. I recall that a group of us from our college decided to take our March break and go through a tour of Southwestern Ontario and do different youth events and different meetings. And so we made all the preparations and started out on our trip. And just a few days into that trip, myself and uh, my very close friend, who thankfully is still a very close friend of mine, and I had a bit of a falling out, which was mostly, if not exclusively, my fault. I know it's impossible for you to believe this, but, uh, I was a bit of a jerk, and um it was it was not good and It started the morning of one of our times of ministry and so, there was a bit of this sort of um tense silence in the car as we were driving. The other guys could sense that something was up between us as the sort of co leaders uh, but wasn't quite sure what was going on, and we still had to do ministry and so You kind of go into the church for that afternoon, evening, and you paste a smile on your face, and you pretend that you still love uh, each other, uh, and that you love Jesus. And then it was that evening uh, that we came together and had a a good conversation, and I confessed my jerkiness, and we were able to be restored. But during that day, it's just tough. You know that there's something that is separating you from another, and, and one that you care for and it's hard. And that was what has happened to this individual that has some sort of defiling skin disease as we walked through chapter 13 last uh, Sunday. And now as we come into chapter 14, there is restoration or the potential for restoration because healing has taken place. But what is notable in the passage is it doesn't tell us how the healing took place. It just dives into chapter 14 and healing has taken place. And so our first point this morning is that God alone can heal and restore. Only God ultimately can heal and restore. There's no mention in this text, even in between 13 and 14, there's no mention in this text of how this individual came to be cleansed. He was put out of the camp. Family members and friends could leave the camp to bring provisions to anyone who was outside of the camp. But again, remember, they had to dress differently let their hair grow long, tear their clothes as a sign of mourning, their mourning, the effects of sin in their life. They had to call out, unclean, unclean, even as someone tried to approach, and perhaps we've understood this a little bit better because of COVID. We might have gone to somebody's door and rung the doorbell, left something on their, their front stoop, their front porch, and then backed away, and then they would come in, and it was all weird, but that, that's kind of what's going on here in chapter 13. And then, as this individual looks at their skin one day, they realize it looks like maybe things are changing. They don't know how, it's not told us in the text, but God has begun to or has completely healed them. They're healed. And so word is sent to the priest, the priest comes out and examines them to see if indeed God is healed. And so we see that the priest cannot heal skin disorders. Nowhere in these texts is the priest mentioned as being the agent of healing and he is not a, a medical personnel. He doesn't give medical prescriptions for how to take care of psoriasis and eczema and these other things. He simply examines, makes a decision based on God's word whether someone is unclean because of the visible effects of living in a sin cursed world are in, on them or not. So the priest does not heal. Notice in the second place, the person cannot heal skin disorders. The person can't heal themselves. There's no self-healing here. It is God alone that heals. One day, they had this deep-rooted skin disorder, and now they do not. And notice, I love the compassion and the picture here. The priest goes outside of the camp. Word is brought to the priests that an individual that had been um, uh, unclean, that had been deemed unclean, now believes that they are healed. And so it is the priest that leaves the camp and the environs of the tabernacle complex and goes out to the one who believes they've been healed. What an amazing picture, again, of the initiative that God takes. As I recall in this story, it was my friend who came to me. Something's wrong, and we need to talk. And I was grateful. God takes the initiative. God comes to us. In our relationship with God, it is always initially initiated by Him. He's the one that makes the first move, not us. We are dead in our trespasses and sins. God is the one that comes to us when we cannot and do not want to go to Him. And what a beautiful picture here even in the first part of chapter 14. So God alone can heal and restore and when He does, it is not because a priest did it some sort of uh, ritual, some sort of incantation. The priest does not heal, the person cannot heal themselves. God alone heals and the priest goes out to examine the one who has been healed. And now at the end of verse three to verse 20 is one of the more elaborate rituals in the book of Leviticus. And there are three stages to this restoration and so we have this ritual restoration here mentioned in the text. The first is the initial cleansing rite. There is a number of things going on here. Two wild birds, the word live there is probably actually the word wild. It's a bit redundant to take two living live birds. They're probably already live, but they're wild birds. They are brought with some cedar wood and some scarlet yarn and some hyssop. These things are collected together. One of the birds is killed. And the blood is let out over an earthenware uh, basin of fresh water, not stagnant water. And then that mixture together with the hyssop and the scarlet yarn and the cedar wood. And it's possible that the cedar wood was used as a base to tie the hyssop to with the scarlet yarn. And that was used then dipped in and used to sprinkle the individual seven times. For more on this, please feel free to stick around for the Q&A later on this morning, although I know it is Mother's Day and many of you have plans, but there's a lot of symbolism here. But it is hyssop that was used by the nation of Israel to apply the blood of the redeeming lamb during the Passover. And it was hyssop that David refers to in one of our Bible readings from this weekend in Psalm 51, cleanse me, purge me with hyssop. And it is hyssop that was used to bring sour vinegar wine up to the lips of our Savior, he is on the cross. These things are used together and as an initial cleansing rite and the priest declares them, this individual, clean. They then bathe, they shave off all of their hair and some of you are looking forward with great anticipation to that taking place here at Grace Baptist. And then they can move into the camp, but they cannot go back to their tent just yet. There's a week period, a seven day period, and that is the secondary cleansing ritual. They wait a week just outside of their tent in the camp, but outside of their own tent and not able to go into the, t- the tabernacle complex and offer sacrifice. And then after that is completed on the eighth day, they again bathe, wash their clothes, and shave all of the hair on their body, including their eyebrows. Everything is is shaven to get a full picture look at the skin, to see if indeed the defiling skin disorder has completely been eradicated. And then we have the final cleansing ritual in verses 10 through 20. Three, four, sorry, four of the five sacrifices are brought. There's the guilt offering, the burnt offering, the sin offering, and the grain offering or the Thanksgiving offering. The only offering not offered is the fellowship or the peace offering. It's interesting that the guilt offering is offered. There's a number of ideas as to why the guilt offering is offered. And again, if you want to find out more of those, stick around for the Q&A. But I think the best sort of speculation that I have uh, discovered is that during the time that this unclean individual was outside of the camp, they would have been unable to offer sacrifice to God because the only place they could offer sacrifice to God is within the tabernacle at the entrance of the tent of meeting and they could not go there because they were unclean. And so perhaps this, this offering of reparations this offering for specific sins that included uh, repayment of a debt may indeed have come about because this individual has a debt to pay to God for their inability to offer offerings and sacrifices while they were outside of the camp and unclean. And then they offer a burnt offering and then they offer a sin offering mixed with the grain offering, giving themselves wholly over to God, looking for atonement from their sins by the grace and mercy of God, and thanking God and recommitting themselves to God for all of his grace and mercy to them. And notice then in the third place this morning, as always, provision is made for the poor in verses 21 through 32. The one offering that cannot be changed is the guilt offering that still requires a lamb. But if an individual was too poor to bring three lambs, two male and one female, They could bring the one male lamb to offer for the guilt offering, but the sin offering, the bird offering could be turtle doves or pigeons, could be other animals if they were poor. I think sometimes, especially as we read the book of Leviticus, we get the wrong sense that God is trying to do everything he can to keep us from him. And if you read Leviticus and the whole Old Testament and the New Testament correctly, you see that God is doing everything he can to bring us to him. There is not a sense in these passages that God is arbitrarily or capriciously keeping us away from him. He is making every possible move. He is covering all possible bases so that we can come to him. And even an individual who is economically less advantaged than others is not precluded from the final cleansing ritual. All can come. And so we see then in the final place this morning our restoration because all of this points to Christ. God alone can heal and restore. First Peter 2:24. As Jesus is on the cross during that 3-hour period it goes dark. It's a palpable tangible darkness. And it is in that moment, those moments, that God the Father treats God the Son as if he had personally committed all the sins that you and I will ever commit. He bears the full penalty of sin with all of its ugliness, in all of the ways in which none of us want anybody else to know, all of those things, Jesus Christ bears the full weight of on the cross, all of it. And then he says, It is finished. And bows his head and dies. And three days later, on that Sunday morning, he rises back to life from the dead, conquering sin and death on our behalf. And all the work was done by him. God alone can heal and save. If we are here this morning believing that there is anything that we can do to contribute, we've got it wrong. God alone can heal, and God alone can save. Notice in the second place that our restoration is complete, Romans 8, 1. What beautiful words from the Apostle Paul. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. If you are in Christ Jesus this morning, if you have repented of your sins and by faith are trusting in Him and Him alone, for salvation, are trusting in him and him alone to restore the relationship between you and the one who made you, trusting in him and him alone to restore that relationship with God as your Father and bring you into relationship with the Trinity, then there is no time at any point in time in the future that you will stand and be judged for your sins. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. All of our sins, past, present, and future, were laid on Christ. Because at the point in time when Christ died, all of our sins were yet future. All of them. And Christ paid for them all. Our restoration is complete, and will one day be fully complete in glory. When we are removed, not only of the penalty of sin is not removed from us, and the power of sin is not only being removed from us through sanctification, but the very presence of sin will be removed in our glorification. And what a wonderful day that will be. So our restoration is complete. And we can thank God for that this morning. And then, anyone, anyone can repent and believe. If you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, Turn with me, if you would, as we close to Isaiah 55 and verse 1. Anyone can repent and believe. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Come. 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 What is stopping you from coming to the one who made you? What is stopping you from coming to the one who loves you and gave himself for you? We put up all kinds of excuses, erect all kinds of barriers, and none of them can actually keep us from the love of God in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit. Come, come everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, come and drink. Jesus says that he is the living water, and he is the fulfillment of this passage, the woman at the well in John 4. I will give you water, he says, and you will never thirst again speaking of himself and she says where do I get this water it's sitting right in front of you it's me repent of your sins turn from selfishness turn from lies and greed and covetousness and jealousy and lust and anger and hatred and all of these things and turn to God through Christ by the spirit come 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 to him Mothers, mothering is an exhausting reality. It seems that everyone that you are mothering needs something from you, especially at the most inconvenient of times. The day that you gave birth was the day you stopped having your own name. And now you are not your name, your mummy, or mom, or ma. Moms, you are not infinite, and you cannot give to your children all that they need. They need Jesus. They need Jesus as much as you do. If you try to give everything of yourselves, and moms always do, that's part of being a mom. You will be spent and exhausted because despite what you may feel by times, you do have limits. So come, come to the one who is limitless. Come to the one who is infinite. Come to the one who loves you more than you can possibly imagine and point your children to the same Savior that you desperately need. Point your children to the same good news that you need. You need someone, kids, but it's not Mummy. It's Jesus. Come, come to him. He alone can heal. He alone can restore. He alone gives grace and mercy. He alone saves us and brings us all the way to him. Let's look to him in prayer this morning. Father, we thank you for this beautiful passage from the Old Testament that says more in what it doesn't say, perhaps, than in what it does. We have individuals who, because of the effects of living in a fallen world cursed by sin, are visibly marked thereby and are rendered unclean. And Father, in your great mercy, whether in an act of instantaneous miracle as with Miriam and others who were struck with skin disorders and diseases, or however, Father, you chose to heal, individuals were healed. And through these cleansing rituals, they can draw ever closer to you and be finally and fully restored. And Father, only you can do that, and you delight to do that. And we thank you that rather than this being an idea that you erect barriers to keep us from you, you are a God who removes all barriers to you so that we can come. Our sinfulness, our pride and arrogance, our unbelief, our self-reliance, our selfishness, all of these things and so much more. Keep us from you and you break through them all. You come to us. You regenerate us and give us life in Christ by your spirit. And we thank you, Father, that repeatedly throughout your word, you say, come, come to me. And so I pray for any of you that are here this morning that do not know you, that they would come to you this morning they would stop running away and run run to you and be welcomed home and father in particular this morning as we celebrate mother's day we are so grateful for mothers and mothering there's so many passages in scripture father where you describe yourself as doing mothering activities Paul describes himself as a nursing mother, tender and compassionate, providing for the needs of those that are weak and vulnerable. Father, there is so much to be celebrated about mothering, and we're so thankful for the mothers among us. But Father, our goal and our aim is to never point anyone to any one of us, but to always point everyone to you. Help all of the mothers in our midst. To point their children to the all-sufficient savior the same savior that they need and we need on a daily basis for all of us father may we rely on you rest in you and you alone you alone are our hope you alone can restore and heal you alone can save you alone can justify you alone can propitiate you alone can sanctify and you can alone can glorify We thank you that you are a promise-making and a promise-keeping, God. And we know that those things that we have committed to you, you will perform them until the day of Jesus Christ. You are working in us, you are transforming us, and you will bring us all the way home. And by your grace, although we are sinners, we can also be saints. Thank you, Father, for your great grace and mercy this morning to all of us and to the mothers among us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.